What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 30 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and on today's show, I'm joined with my co-host, Fishsticks. And our two guests today will be Flame, who is an analyst player who's been on the show a couple weeks in a row now. And also, a first-time guest, our, one of our favorite Overwatch casters, ZP, is going to be joining the mix. We are going to be talking a lot about the ha- Halloween patch, as well as some somber news. Lots of esports player news, players switching teams, being dropped off of teams. We're going to go into all that, and as well as a bunch of esports events that are going on, including the APAC event in China, as well as the OGN Apex event in Korea and Alienware Monthly Melee here in the uh, North America. So we're going to jump right in the show. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, continue on. I mean, uh, like to your point, uh, ZP. Yeah, it's it's really cool that we're getting. Uh, whenever we get these batches, it's like a full load of things. You know, like th- there's tons of skins, tons of player icons, and uh, even some player intros, as well as uh, some voice lines. Uh, just a full feature, and, and that's that's so cool because we paid for it, right? And then now we're getting everything free. It's like it's it's like the forty dollars are just we just keep getting value from that forty dollars. Well, the PVE side of it, I think, is really cool, too, just because it does appeal to people. We've seen it in other games yeah, where yeah. people enjoy that sort of content, where as much as, of course, a lot of us here have a big focus on the esports side of things and all the rest, there's a lot to be said for bringing people in saying, hey, I just want to hang out with my friends, grab three people, and shoot some zombots uh, in the new mode. Yeah. I think a lot of people saw this coming uh, with TF2 having some pretty successful experiments with PVE and... Uh, Let's be honest, Blizzard has borrowed a lot from that game. So a lot of people kind of suspected that this was coming. And I think yeah, I think it's good. It's definitely good to have something that caters even more than quick play that caters to the mm-hmm. most casual of audiences. Um, and yeah, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but people so, on Reddit are saying that this is actually a really good way to warm up and, and practice aim. I don't know if that's true or not. but Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, even pros, will go into the training bot server where they just kind of run around in circles and that yeah. small whatever like mm-hmm. hilltop or mountaintop map. So this is definitely a good alternative. I guess back to what you were saying about TF2, there were actually people that took the PvE mode more seriously than anything else. Oh, really? I didn't like, know that. A lot of people, actually. And there was a lot of pride that went into like that whole mode because there were actually like skins and things you could get by only playing that mode. Mm-hmm. Like There were like exclusive skins to that one mode. So there were people who were like hoarding them, and like they, it had like a rank associated with it. Like You had an SR, essentially, for... Or at least like a level of how many times you had done it. So if you came into there and it was like your first or second time, you would actually get flamed by the people who had like two hundred <laughs> rounds of it. Right. Like I'm not. It was crazy. So the only thing I'm upset about is that it only lasts until the first. Like this is when people when Lucio well, Tavern came out, brawl, right? So yeah, people were like, I'm not brawl. Just it's I a wish, brawl. Uh, I keep saying tavern. Yeah, brawl. it's a brawl. I wish they were like I wish Lucio Ball <laughs> stuck around, but like this one, I actually really wish would stick around. Yeah, like, and for those like of you a separate or something those of you wondering what we're talking about the brawl right now is this new survival mode pve game that you play and, and there's only four players so you can only choose mccree soldier uh anna and what's the last one um hanzo hanzo, hanzo, hanzo right? pretty much yeah. all the hits can uh, characters and yeah it's a bit, you're just trying to survive the whole time it, you only lose when everybody's dead all at once so you can respawn after i think that's 15 seconds or so maybe 12 seconds um, but on hard mode, it, it's pretty challenging. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun on hard mode. Um, so give it a try. It's a lot, a lot of fun. 
yeah, another thing about the match that somebody's saying in chat too is that one of the cool thing about this um, this new event is that the skins are purchasable now too, which is one of the big complaints everybody had about the summer games is that once it's gone, it's like we're screwed, or at least we're screwed for a year, right? When the summer games comes yeah. back, um, so this is really nice. They made it more expensive, so everything's three times more expensive, but it's nice. It's nice that I can go back and, and get my favorite. Roadhog skin if I don't get lucky at all. Well, it solves the issue where you had uh, people that would say buy 200 Summer Games loot boxes and then go, (laughs) wait, I bought 200 and I still don't have Americree. Now you have the option where even if you had zero currency to begin with, Mm -hmm. you could buy a whole bunch of boxes and certainly get the skin you're looking for. Even if you don't get directly, you would get enough currency to grab it uh, on the side. So, I mean, it's just a nice extra option to have in there for people where they don't feel like it's still going to encourage people to buy loot boxes, but it's not going to make people feel like they're getting overly exploited or anything like that. Yeah. Really? Because I, I almost feel the opposite. No, well, not, really? not that they're getting exploited. Not that they're getting what? exploited, but the I, I guess in the long term, in my head, because like as someone who had bought, I think I bought, I don't know, like I think I bought two packs of the loot boxes from the summer games, and like you had so many, um, I had so many coins left over. I know that there's a lot of players that had a lot of coins left over. Like even now, like having five or six k banked isn't too crazy. So like now you definitely don't have to buy cases for this, but there I think that this is an easy way to empty out everybody's coin accounts. Does that make sense? Like empty sure. out all their coins. So for the next patch, like that's when the crates are going to start becoming very very popular. Well, again. well, I mean, well sure. Like having a coin dump is yeah, yeah. Having a coin dump is a good thing. Long term, I'm just talking long term. But in the, even in long term, I guess the point here is that you're not going to get a situation which you had in the last patch where you could drop two hundred dollars. Yeah, and then not get yeah, the yeah, yeah, Right now, you're yeah. guaranteed to get what you want at a reasonable sum to some extent. Yeah, sure. And the people players that play a lot mm-hmm. might have already have a bank where they can get what they want immediately and not yeah. have to throw stuff in. So it just feels more fair overall yeah Yeah, i mean just the general monetization model is of course there's a coin dump right i mean otherwise it'd be crazy pay to win though i mean not pay to win but just like you'd have to pay for everything and that'd just be terrible so it's it's a typical model and it's definitely good here are some of the skins i don't know who which are your favorite skins like have you guys got a chance to look at all of them favorite skin i mean i feel like there's a really obvious answer here right well i mean people got different tastes people got different tastes I was going to say the Reinhardt with the flaming uh, head. What? See, everybody's got a different... Dude, that's definitely not my favorite, even though I made yeah, That's Reinhardt. definitely not my favorite. That's not even <laughs> probably top three, to be honest with you. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. Flaming <laughs> Reinhardt, actually, I think, might be wrong. number two. Really? Oh, my God. You're explaining Reinhardt, guys. I think the Eichenwald yes. skin is still better than it. I don't know. Dude, Eichenwald skin does not have a flaming head. <laughs> I mean, I came from TF2, so, like, unusual hats is not a new thing to me. Like, that's... I mean, so, like a... granted, like everything else about this skin is literally just like a color, like a color, <laughs> just a different color. So it's literally just the flaming head that's different. But it's yeah. it's top five for me, probably, but not top two for sure. I mean, damn, I, I think uh, Road Hog, the Frankenhog is definitely my favorite one. Nobody um, else's favorite? I don't. This one? No, I, well, I like the Roadhog one, but for some reason, the Anna mask is like the coolest thing to me for some reason. Like, it's so simple, but that skin just makes her look so like. Oh, the Anna. The Anna. Sick. One? Yeah. Like, the Anna, Anna one. Like, I, I don't know why I'm drawn oh, to it, but that mask cool is so one. good. It's also oh, only it 750. Oh, it it's uh, on the cheaper side, too. So. Oh, no, that's Hanzo. Shoot. Yeah, it's, it's a budget. It's oh, a budget sleeper for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that mask. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
It's like it's barely even different, but just it's it's so it just gives you a totally clean conversation. Well, the other thing too, I like how the love is being spread around too, where the heroes that got a whole bunch of love in summer games. Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Well, the heroes that didn't get any love there are now getting love here in Halloween. And then I'm sure when we get to Christmas, if that is a thing, we'll be seeing the heroes that have been sort of left out getting their form uh, there. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Michael Those EP, which Mercy is, is badass. Yeah, I think that's the. I think I think everybody was was uh, anticipating this one, and she looks great, actually. She, <laughs> actually, she how does. many? She looks great. Yeah, very good point. How many people are actually just going to go into overdrive, going, "Wait, BlizzCon is coming up. I need to now." Like, I'm throwing aside all my other cosplay plans, and I'm making a cosplay totally. of this Look, Halloween. Time, totally, honestly. dude. Because uh, the the Lionheart Reinhardt skin uh, cosplay yeah, at TwitchCon yep. was actually won our comp- our cosplay competition and was the sickest shit i've ever seen from a cosplay competition yeah. and I, when did when did lionheart come out like two months ago yeah Maybe yeah, it came out pretty recently yeah. yeah so this guy obviously dropped everything to build this skin <laughs> just like i, I don't I even know how he even lionheart. walked that guy i don't even know how he walked i would have loved to have seen i know he had to have been on stilts because it was he was much taller and, and yeah. bigger and i don't even know if he had extensions to his arms too but it was he definitely did. extremely impressive that that reinhardt yeah. So, Actually, yeah. think about it. if you're quick enough, it's double duty because you get it done in time for Halloween. You can wear it at Halloween <laughs> and Christmas. It's only like a week difference. I mean, you just not even right. It's week. like four days, five yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the the one. I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but I did like the fact that Soldier Seventy Six is is like a, a, a homage to Michael Jackson's Thriller outfit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I guess a notice. taunt too, or something. I think he has like a Thriller taunt or. A... Oh, does he? Oh, I didn't even know he did. I, I didn't That's look at it. Just, I just heard. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Definitely cool. Uh, but yeah, then go ahead and check it out, guys. There's lots of cool skins, and um, again, like the, you can all you can purchase them for three thousand. Actually, some of these, like the the Reinhardt one, the coolest thing about that is that it's only seven fifty. It's actually a, an epic, not an, a legendary. So that's not even one of the more expensive ones. All right. right. So uh, I think other than that, like just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, just the rest of the stuff, there's victory poses, too. And and and, uh, you know, some of some, let's see, even voice lines, lots of stuff to to definitely check out there. Uh, Let's see the next. Did you guys see the uh, the diva victory pose with the uh, Uh, tombstone? It's got uh, it's got Doritos like it's like a Easter egg because the victory pose, you only see it from one side. But when you're looking at in your loot box, you can actually rotate it, and there's Doritos on the back of it. Oh, is there? Oh, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's on Reddit. It's on Reddit. It's on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, the victory. It's all those things that you'll never see in the normal game, but just for anyone who's rotated it, there it is. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, I guess in addition to uh, just all the the new stuff and the the new brawl, uh, um, the a lot of the the changes that were on the PTR now for the last I don't know like few weeks now, almost a month. Uh, got rolled out too. So just to kind of rehash some of those things, uh, let me bring that up. Not too many changes. We talked about it on previous shows too, but we figured we'd just maybe touch on it just briefly, at least with ZP who hasn't been on before. Um, so Ana, uh, you know, her boost obviously being uh, the at least the cost of it increased by twenty, and, and Bionic Grenade, the the radius increasing, which was interesting. Widows. All right, so, I, I, yeah, I, what I, do you? Yeah, what do you overall, guys think? Yeah, it, ahead, overall, it might be a buff to Ana in the end. I mean, <laughs> she's not going to get all quite as quickly, but yeah. the thing is she's going to have much more potential for gigantic team healing just because the grenade race was rather small before. And she's going to have much bigger potential to land big 
grenades on the enemy team where you hit two, three people where before you might have hit zero. So I feel like it opens up on his play style a bit. And overall, a 20% nerf to something that charged at warp speed before it'll be felt, but not as much as people might think. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of maybe it ends up as nerf, but there's a lot of ways it can actually end up as a buff to Ana. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And I, I like the tone of the changes. Um, I, I wouldn't mind even seeing the alt have even more cost. Uh, because you could build it in 30 seconds. So now it's going to take 35 seconds. You know, it's like, it's really a very small difference. Uh, but I just, I, I know this is going to sound stupid, but using math, three to four, three to four meters, it only sounds like it's 25% bigger, right? Uh, or, sorry, one third bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I, now my math is, now I'm second guessing <laughs> no. every time. The way, that, the way that geometry works, folks, this is almost double the radius. It goes from about 28 uh, total uh, surface area uh, in, in, in total, in meters, to uh, over 50. So you're almost doubling the actual radius of these biotic grenades. I just want everyone to, to realize that. In the area. It's only one more meter. <laughs> no, it's actually, like, way bigger. Almost twice as big. I learned that yeah, even from yeah. playing games like Heroes of the Storm. It's just like, okay, we've increased this ability radius by 20%. And you're just like, oh, that's not that much. And then you go in the game, it's like, oh, my God goodness this is a huge increase it's just one of those things where the numbers on face value don't necessarily look that intimidating and then you actually play with it and go okay this is actually a huge buff to this particular skill yeah and we were talking also uh, like one of the previous episodes that the nano boost even it taking a little bit longer you know there, there are times where especially when the you know the beyblade uh meta being as big as it was uh you just be waiting anyways right you'd be waiting on the reaper to get his alt first so it wasn't like you were just trying to spam that ultimate as quickly as you could could anyways so it, taking it having it take it just a little bit longer it was a slight of course it was a well, nerf but it wasn't as big of a nerf as as it it, it sounds the thing with Nano, though, is it's so good that a lot of times you can use it to build the Reaper ult outright and then for the next fight have it up together. Oh, Maybe it'll desync it a That's little crazy. bit. Because yeah. don't forget the way a lot of it works is that not only is the person uh, doing more damage on the rest, but that also factors into their ult charge. So it's mm -hmm. sort of why you have Reapers with nonstop ult after ult, Reinhardt's with ult after ult. Well, because they're building a lot more while under Nano Boost, which is yeah. a bit harsh. Yeah. I think overall, I think we can all agree that or we we're in the consensus that it's it's a more of a buff than a than a nerf. Uh, Widowmaker, what do you guys think about this? Like, do you think this is going to? Are we going to see more Widowmakers than Pro Scene? I guess I I'll take that. Uh, Go ahead. Like fine. it'll it'll feel better for sure because I think that Widow scope felt bad. I think there was like a bug or something, right? Where it was like taking too long on the first scope in yeah. the clip. There was like something that just got patched recently, not this. And then there's this that makes it. A third of a second instead of half a second to scope in. So I think yeah. like you'll get shots off faster, but I don't think it make it doesn't change the rate of fire of the gun as far as I'm or as far as I know. So like this will help quick scoping um, definitely because your first shot will roll off faster. And I guess if you're like trying to kill Anna's, it'll probably be easier because you'll have that extra what is it seventeen hundredths of a second to get a shot off. Mm -hmm. um, as far as people actually picking her, I think it might not happen. I mean, teams might start swapping to it. But only on offense if they feel like they can get away with it. Um, but that will probably be the only time you'll see it, and only on certain maps where the line of sight is good enough. Because I feel like you're still going to want... Like, I don't know what hero you would replace her with. Like, you'd have to get rid of, I guess, either your Reaper or your May or something, right? Like, one of your DPS non-Zarya Reinhardt heroes. So, um, 
you have to make the case yeah. for is Widowmaker going to be stronger yeah. or have bigger game impact at that point, and that's where I think she might come in sometimes, but not often enough. I don't know, ZP, what do you think? I think Widow, it's one of those things where it's going to take the one team that comes out here with Widow and does really well with it, because in the end of it, you're talking about a hero that it does feel like a better change in terms of just like usability. It feels really good to play her now, but you're still dealing with a hero that when played to her max ability is shooting off 300 damage railgun cannons, basically, if you can hit <laughs> someone's head. Yeah. And people aren't always going to be high in Rhine Shields. And it's also a game where if you get a quick pick and you're 65, your odds of winning the next fight skyrocket. So I've never, I've always felt Widow, even after the nerfs, has been the case where people tend to overreact they don't go to it they leave it out for a time and this might finally spur in a team to go actually we're going to spend a lot of time on this start getting consistent picks with widow and say offense and then force a complete meta change it really would not surprise me hmm. obviously it's harder to do that was in the past but that doesn't mean that i guess the state what i'm saying earth widow is that you widow is a character where she's either going to do absolutely nothing and feel like a waste yeah. or feel just disgustingly oppressive and when you're not getting to the latter stage you're not going to use it too much but if someone can get to that latter stage a little bit more often it might trigger a huge shame reaction you see her uh, much more frequently than you see her now but i mm -hmm. guess we'll have to wait and see uh ben any any comments on that? nope okay i just hope um, we see more widow honestly that's yeah. all uh, I don't know if this is going to be big enough, but the the cool thing about Widow, if nothing else, is that Widow makes the game a little bit more unpredictable on what team is going to win fights. Right now, for a lot of team fights, you can sort of look at the alt economy of both teams and get a really good idea of what team has a more of a sure win than the other. Mm -hmm. But when Widow was more in the meta, when and Hanzo has done this a little bit to some extent, when you have the potential of someone just getting picked off before you can get into the entire phase where everyone's set up with alts, it adds a lot more unpredictability to how fights go down. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, all right, Junkrat, uh, Riptire now activates more quickly. You know, the times I played with it, it, it definitely did seem a lot faster than... I don't know if you guys got a chance to experience it or not uh, in the PTR, but I'm not sure if it's, like, fast enough that I could just literally fall from, like, above and land right in the middle of a bunch of people and then just, like, rip it and, and, and explode. But it's getting closer to that. What do you guys think of, of this this change? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's just more quality of life than anything. Yeah. I felt like, I mean, Junkrat Tire is probably one of the more, I don't know, I say balanced, but it's one of the harder to execute ults in terms of getting kills, but it also has, like, a very good implication. Like, you hear the Junkrat Tire, it changes the way you have to, like, look at corners and stuff all of a sudden. But I felt like there were some times where you'd want to use it, but you didn't. You felt like you didn't have time to, or you would get yeah. rushed or killed before you could get it off, and I think that that's where this comes in. Um it's definitely a buff, like just a straight buff, and it's definitely gonna help his case, I guess, on certain maybe like two CP maps or even like maps like Dorado, where maybe now you can get a kills a little bit easier. But I mean, Junkrat still suffers from the same problems that he has, which is like no anti-air really, and no um, his presence is really lacking unless there's like a very obvious choke to be yeah. spamming into. Well, I would argue Junkrat suffers from an even bigger thing than those th things. It's not even about his ability to kill people right now. It's more the fact that we're in a meta where if you do poke damage, but you don't actually get a kill, you're actually sealing your team's fate because then the supports on the other team build their ult quicker and support ultimates are among the strongest in the game. Seen very much so in looking at Ana, but also still sound barriers, transcendences, reses, all the rest. So 
the game right now, because it's so oppressive towards heroes that poke without getting direct kills, it makes it rougher for, say, Junkrat and 76 than it might otherwise uh, be under different circumstances. Yeah, plus the Zarya factor is also... Yeah, yeah Zarya Shield. So another thing, we're <laughs> exactly. just like, please don't yeah. poke damage. So yeah. it, it it's a little bit unfortunate uh, right now for Junkrat, and I think to a lesser extent, 76, because it definitely hurts him as well. Yeah, yeah man, Junkrat's had a precipitous drop in the mm-hmm. competitive scene lately. I mean, if you go back to uh, the Atlantic Showdown, we actually saw Junkrat used very effectively, especially on defense, especially on 2CP, but in certain situations, he was super effective. And he basically has dropped off completely. Like, nobody is picking Junkrat in any situation right now. Uh, and I think this is a good change, but will it bring him back into the competitive scene? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, he gets played in, in ranked, but I don't know. There's, yeah, I mean, I mean, so what ZP said, there's no exactly. counter to a fast nano boost. So <laughs> exactly. Running a hero like... that gives you nano boost even faster potentially is like not going to help. Yeah, because what happens right now, say, well, you, let's take a map like Hollywood, right? Uh, now spookified Hollywood for those who haven't logged in this patch. But mm-hmm. you go in on Hollywood, the Junkrat spamming you, he doesn't get any kills, and the other's just sitting here, uses the brand new biotic grenade that hit everyone with a huge <laughs> heal, then a left clicks them all. The Junkrat hasn't killed anyone, and now they have a nano boost while your Ana is sitting at 20%. You're going to lose the next fight. And yep. that's sort of, I think there's something to be said, and a lot of people have been floating this, where maybe at some point how supports build ultimates should be changed a little bit, where maybe it's like half, t- uh, hmm. you, you boost the, their contribution over time for the alt and then decrease how much healing gives, just to standardize a little bit more and not punish poke damage so severely. Yeah, I had that idea like back in closed beta. Like I felt like tanks shouldn't be giving the same amount of ult charge from their HP as like a tracer. Like killing a, doing two hundred HP, like doing two hundred damage to a tracer should thing. be yeah. rewarded more than doing two hundred damage to a roadhog or something. But yeah, I mean yeah. So we'll worry about that in the future. Right now, Trunkrat's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's like guess the moral of this story. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, but uh, every, every, and everything else that's part of this uh, update. Well, I think the main other thing was that the pause button is going to be, um, you know, just spec mode improvements. Oh, spec mode improvements too. Yeah, there's going to be static yep. cameras, and I didn't get a chance to play too much with it. So I'm I'm really um, excited to to get a chance to see some of the events using it and uh, how it's going to do. I, I know what it looks like. The, definitely the new layout and everything is better than than the old one, but just some of the tools that they added will be cool to see. The player profiles and the UI. Like, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of fonts in general. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like a nerd thing, but I like the That's new. Cool. I love um, fonts, man. I love oh, the yeah. new fonts that they have in the UI. It's a lot cleaner, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, even just reading the player levels on the screen is a lot easier now. I think it's interesting that Overwatch, even from the very first beta, the initial reaction from people was, wow, this is one of the most polished games I've ever played. And then you patch after patch hits, and the polish difference just continues to go up. You compare Overwatch right now to any of the competing FPS games that are coming out, and it's just actually insane, the level of difference that you get between the two. Yeah, I mean, I heard FPS went up. I haven't checked. I haven't actually played today, but I heard people's FPS was more stable in this patch than previous so okay. kudos to them on that front yeah. too if that's true yeah i definitely like the fact that they they do try different layouts you know aesthetics yeah, that's one thing we didn't talk about even just with the uh just with the, just the general game too is some of the like the I, I think the social um the social 
tab or the whole page, you know, has a different layout as weird as a career profile. Uh, even the portraits, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the little portraits even of, of each of the heroes is a little bit different now. I like the fact that oh, they yeah, try it. Looks, it. It looks sharper. Yeah, doesn't it? It, lo- it looks a little bit different. Me and my son were talking about it too. It, it's cool. It's, it's it's good that they're willing to try it. And if it doesn't, then they just try a different one. You know, they, they've been pretty bold with some of the, the different choices along the way. Some were good, yeah. some weren't. But, uh, you know, right now, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, it's definitely getting better. I mean, there were definitely times in the past month or so where I've watched like replays or something of matches, and I'm like, I actually have no idea how much ult this person has. I can't <laughs> right, see it, right, or right. I don't actually know what. Yeah, like or I can't actually read the timer on this yeah. King of the Hill map, but I'm sure it says something like this. Like it'll just remove more uncertainty, which I think is just good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, anyways, let's move on through some more of the n- news. Uh, another comic came out. Um, it's not officially on comics. You know, play Overwatch, but this was actually pre-Halloween Halloween patch. A lot of people were talking about at the time. The Junkenstein comic, uh, you can check that out uh, here, which I'll I'll uh, link in the Twitch chat, so you can check that out. It's it's cool. It's like a nice little Halloween type of uh, uh, issue of of the comic, and also Sombra was leaked. So that was actually big news a few days ago. Just a, an, an image of Sombra with with some some text and people were kind of reading into it. And people were wondering if today, you know, October 11th being this kind of key day, key day, was going to be Sombra coming out. But there's no way, guys. Okay, Sombra, like for everybody that's wondering, Sombra has to be announced at BlizzCon. I don't know what else they would announce if it wasn't. Uh oh, looks like we lost CP here. Um, right. Oh. But uh, yeah, so Sombra. Let's, I guess let's talk about Sombra. Do you, you think that that was a true leak here, or I'm so confused about something here. Yeah. Why would the image be a photo taken of a screen? If you find, if you, if it is kind of weird, leak, right? It is. Definitely why weird. wouldn't they screenshot it? That makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> it makes it's me true. think this is either fake or Blizzard is purposefully leaking this in a weird, shady way just to make it even more mysterious. Uh, oh, who knows? Maybe that. it was just somebody that didn't know that they, they can capture screen regions on their on their monitor. I, I don't know. But what? Like, no, I feel like no one, for some reason, no one was talking about this on Reddit or whatever. Why wasn't this screenshotted? Why was it a photo, a crappy photo, even? Right, like, right. I've returned. That, that's very suspect. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I know it is. We were talking about Sombra, uh, CP. Welcome back. Do you, do you think that, that um, is that true? I, I feel like if I was like, because it, it had to have come from internal at Blizzard, right? Like the picture, at least somebody had to have. It had to have been an employee, right? Because it came off their network, supposedly. Like that's the story behind it, anyway. So I feel like you wouldn't even risk taking being the one to take the print screen because you don't even want maybe that that's ever it. to be like. You don't want any traceability coming back to you. Like, if, if it was actually a leak and not like a plant, then that's like a fire. That's like you're getting fired. So, can I, I just note, by the way, how appropriate it is that uh, my truly reliable Comcast internet decided to go out right as we started talking about <laughs> and the, the timing there is actually phenomenal. Uh, also, that's funny. There was a ridiculous Comcast outage last night. It was the worst. There was all sorts of tweets about it. It was miserable, and I, I guess to what your guys are saying here. Uh, oh, I before mean, you I before you talk uh, before you keep going, ZP, start your cam, start your cam when you get a chance. Okay, yeah. Let's see here. Da, 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 da. There right, you I'm go. Back. There you are. Okay, cool. Yeah, so but I'm as you were saying, me down. Like, <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. I mean, I would just say like I don't know where that came from, whether it be false, true, whatever it might be. But if it is a leak, I just think that the person is incredibly foolish and. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. 
Yeah. What do you think she is? I mean, are, are we still thinking? I mean, the, the only thing that we, at least I, I think that we have right now, is that she's going to have something stealth associated with her, whether making teammate stealth or maybe she has some kind of short stealth ability. But from that picture, can you guys can you guys try uh, pull anything off of it? I mean, she has a submachine gun, so we know that much, right? It might be a hit scan gun, which would be interesting. Though definitely add another uh, layer of hero pool to mm-hmm. a lot of your already good hit scan players in the game. So mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Uh, of course, it, there's no guarantee that would be a hit scan based on it. If that is in fact a thing, but um, I don't know uh, that part would definitely, I think for me, it's like, it's always just cool to look at as like, is this hero going to be a DPS? What players are going to be taking it up where if it was say projectile, then you'd be more in the realm of your Taviks or uh, seagulls. Right. World. Right. That's I mean, right. I have a, I have a bigger problem, I guess with heroes that come out now is that, there's not much room to swap out. Does that make sense? Like, there's not, there's only like three roles maybe that you could say you could swap out at any given time. Right. And it, the right. Lucio has to stay, the Reinhardt has to stay, and generally like the Reaper McCree has to stay, like whatever that hero is. So if she's not an assault class, like I'll assume she's not an assault class, she doesn't really look like an assault class. Um, I'll put her more in like that weird Symmetra esque or like the Hanzo esque, like the defensive support ish heroes. Like, she has to be better than Zarya, then. Or have more utility than Anna. Mm, yeah, so, like, that's, that's where I start questioning um, her. I mean, maybe she'll prove me wrong. Maybe she is crazy good and she will be played. But I have a hard time finding a way for them to make a hero that is stronger than Zarya, straight up. We don't know anything, like, about the hero, though, in terms of, like, what individual matchups it might have. And just to give you an example right now, where you don't look at it on a face value until you actually see it play on games, you know, Right now, you have the entire dynamic of, say, McCree versus Genji, where Genji really does well when there's not a McCree in the game. But if a McCree comes into yeah. the game, a lot of times you can shut down Genji. Although that's never that's not even an auto win from the McCree by any means. But, but that's a solid classes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like maybe there's a case where you know For theoretically Sombra comes out and she has a really really good matchup against Zarya where you don't you never want to run a Zarya against Sombra for one yeah, 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 another. Of like that, that's, that's what I mean that's what I mean she have to be stronger than Zarya I guess was where well, I'm going with I guess that, that not brings, necessarily stronger than Zarya right just good against Zarya yeah. I guess that does bring up uh you know just a, I guess a follow up question which is uh, do you like the fact that they're just you know introducing one character at a time you know every time they do this or would you prefer them save up about you know, four characters or something so that there could be, you know, combinations, you know, instead of us looking like, okay, you got to sub, how can you fit somebody for the current meta and thinking from that standpoint, instead of just like thinking about just brand new, complete different um, compositions. No, I well, I mean, to that point, you could, I don't know if you need multiple heroes to do that. Like if this hero is actually good, like super good and at a point where you would want to build around here, you could definitely, teams will find a way to do that. Um, the only fear that I have, I guess, when you add new heroes is that I feel like some of the ults in this game are all, like, or just some of the abilities rather are just already super strong. So like you need to find some, you know, like you, when you came, when Anna came out, nobody really played her at the beginning. And I think that they buffed uh, maybe her rate of fire or something. One patch and clip and all, size. Yeah. And her clip size. And then all of a sudden everyone's picking her and now you're getting nano boosts and like, you think to yourself, like, I need, like, is there going to be a hero that can be stronger than Nano Boost or something, or like stronger than Graviton? Because I think that the alts are becoming very meta, or like the meta is starting to revolve more around alts more so than yeah, other de- things. Definitely. So it's becoming one of those questions, like, can this thing be better than Earth Shatter? You know, like, I don't know. That's how I'm kind of starting to look at it, or um, new heroes in general. Because we saw, um, we'll talk about this later when it comes to the Korea versus Europe matchups that we saw, but. The way that they play around certain heroes, I think, is really cool. 
But right now, it's very like Anna centric, I guess. I will yeah. say this to the the health of the game question and all the rest. Uh, I would. It's one of those things where I know uh, it, there's a lot more that goes into making Norwatch Hero than say making a Heroes of the Storm hero and all the rest. As far as uh, making FPS heroes is more complicated because you're more likely to have overlap. You need a more like unique design. There's less tropes to rely on, and so on and so forth. But I do. There's part of me that still wishes that we got heroes even a little bit sooner than they are. I feel like it's one of those things where anytime you release a new hero, you get a dramatic influx of new people playing the game to like check everything out. Now there might be the idea is that well if you you had more heroes coming out even more frequently, then maybe you save up three and have like mini expansion packs that come out that really bump the player base. But for now, I just actually my gut feel is that it almost feels like it was too long before uh since Anna came down yeah, just to I'd agree with get that. more people playing the game again. Yeah. I don't know. It's still the second most purchased PC game of all time. Uh, with 15 <laughs> copies. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, <laughs> It's crazy how big it is, but <laughs> I, I'm greedy there here, Ben, where it's just like, I just want people playing it nonstop all the time. So the more times you can release a new hero and keep the numbers at a ridiculous rate, like that's even better in my book. I, I think they're just trying so, to keep that balance as, you know, as steady as possible. And obviously just adding one at a time is, is the, you know, the ability to keep it in a reasonable state uh, and constantly is much easier than, than bringing a bunch or one every like two months or so. I think because, it, you know, like you said, Anna, Anna didn't get played for almost a couple months, you know, and it wasn't so it, it took like that long before she was even considered. And maybe it took a little bit of, of, of buffing and nerfing just to encourage it too. Uh, but once, you know, once it kicked in, you know, it did take that amount of time. So I think at least three months that between, characters but i'd like to see two characters at a time though instead of just one i think that would be kind of cool i feel like they have so much on their plate i mean i'm not yeah, making yeah they do i feel they like there's do. so much i feel like they there's do. so much still that they have to work on so i'm not i'm not complaining well, but um well, this is like it's, it's different this is, teams right like yeah. th sometimes there are some people that end up getting pulled the work on everything like particularly your engine people and implementation and all the rest but in general the guy that's sitting there thinking about okay this would be a really cool hero i'm prototyping it is not the same guy who's say working on matchmaking or the same guy who's working on UI things. Yeah, all the rest. But like, but it's probably the same guy that's working spectator. on all the skins for Halloween. Eh? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think the, the I UI think the design team is different. Yeah, but the modeling team, like the people that do the actual art and the in-game, like all the renders and stuff, are probably. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm yeah, not the artist. I just think I, like I, yeah, it's, okay. it's a hard. It's mean. a hard yeah. topic. Yeah. Definitely. No, I mean, the team is, you know, there's limit to what they can do. And Jeff's made it very clear in his videos as to what they've prioritized. And, and, and it's been awesome that he's been that transparent. So, yeah, we can't have everything, guys. But, you know, it's, it's definitely something, you know, adding characters, I think, affects the metagame. But they the hinted most. at that's another cool. hero that's like that they made. He made it seem like it wasn't Sombra, like that was coming in like. Oh November. If Sombra doesn't come in November, I think I'm just gonna. Yeah. So gonna it's scream. so like he made it sound like we're getting two heroes soon anyway. But I, 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 I back to what ZP was saying. Like they need it needs to be a good hero. You know, like there's a lot that goes into it. So <laughs> very I, I think she she actually looks interesting. If you look carefully mm -hmm. at the image, she's got what looks to be like grenades or something on her on her belt, and then she's got yeah. these spiky gloves, these like fingertip gloves. So that makes me think she's going to have some kind of AoE-ish type ability with the grenade thingies on her belt and maybe <laughs> yeah. some kind of melee. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, we had NL underscore Prey in chat saying, uh, would love something like an EMP canceling uh, ability. You know, who knows? Maybe she's just pure crowd control. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen any character with like 
an ability that makes it so other people can't use their abilities. So yeah, people, uh, someone had someone had this idea. I, don't, I mean, I don't know where they got it, but it was something like if like her nuke, they thought someone. I don't know if it was like a leak or whatever, but someone was saying that like her nuke might be the opposite of like a nano boost, where it's like you nerf enemy healing, you nerf enemy damage output in like an AOE. So like an Ana nuke that instead of stopping them from healing, it like nerfs their damage output. Hmm. So like you would throw it on someone that's nano boosted or something. Right, right. Stop, like lower their damage output, lower their healing incoming and stuff. But I don't know. So a counter to a counter. <laughs> it's yeah, counter like all these to, like a counter team basically. If, yeah. if she's a straight counter to Anna, then she's definitely going to be played and we'll <laughs> yeah, out yeah, when I see. And where. Yeah. Anyway, she looks interesting, and you know, definitely can't wait to see when she's announced. Uh, and hopefully, it wasn't a mistake. It was just like part of this whole marketing scheme for uh, announcing Sombra. All right. Well, esports. Let's talk about esports. There's a ton to talk about. So, Ben, why don't you lead us through the esports news here? Sure. Actually, one of the more interesting weeks in competitive Sombra, Overwatch. There have been a ton of roster changes on a lot of the top teams, as well as some really surprising results from the tournaments going on over in Asia right now. But I think we can start with some of the stuff that's been going on here in the West um, and talk about Cloud9. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people have been thinking that this was coming for months and months and months now because Cloud9, frankly, hasn't been performing uh, where they should or where they had previously. Um, so it turns out that in the end, Grego has departed Cloud9. Uh, and also it looks like Debet and Reaver have also departed the team, although that hasn't been 100% confirmed, I don't, to my knowledge. Uh, as but far it, as I know, that is confirmed between the two. And I, I know the thing for Debet is that Debet had the entire case where he just has a job in finance, uh, it's a good job, and he can't bring himself to break away just to go full-time esports. Mm. And then uh, for Reaver, I think it's just a case where I think someone mentioned just anxiety over stuff. And it makes sense where you saw Reaver's performance go from one of the most dominant DPS in the game to just like the sort of slow decline. But it, both of them, it was voluntary. No one was kicked, I will uh, add. Yeah, and actually, they've been extremely sportsmanlike uh, on social media and stuff like mm-hmm. that, saying, thank you, it was such a pleasure to play with you, it was such a memorable experience, things like this. Mm-hmm. So it seems like an amicable, realistic, good decision for everyone uh, involved. And to replace them, I think the, the replacements are almost more interesting than the fact that these guys <laughs> are starting. Mendo true. is finally on, an, on a high-level team again, or at least trialing. So you've got Mendo uh, and Rib, who played out of his mind, uh, uh, of course, for Misfits. And then Wolf, uh, who's been kind of floating around as well, are the replacements or at least the trials right now. So this particular roster, we're going to get to it uh, a little bit later, um, but this particular roster was able to take home a win in the Alienware Monthly Melee uh, just a couple of days ago. ZP had the pleasure of casting that. Uh, So this new roster seems like it's working out so far. The roster actually improved dramatically from day one to day two as well. And day one, they ended up losing the Team Liquid. And day two, they're able to avenge themselves. And it did, did feel like they had more explosiveness than they had before. Certainly, I think Mendo on the second DPS role, if the behind-the-scenes stuff works out for C9, I think can work out very well for them. It'll give them more of a one-two combo punch than they've had in a while. Although that's just the key thing with Mendo, right, is that... Mendo is a sort of interesting personality in the Overwatch community. A lot of players have been on teams with them where they didn't really enjoy the experience. And the question is, for C9, is he going to mesh well behind the scenes? If he can find a way of making it work, I think C9 could be pretty darn scary. 
But that's still a big if because a lot goes into can you make practice times? Can you wake up reliably? Can your teammates rely on you to show up for something big? And those were all things that Mendo had issues with in the past. Yeah. I mean, uh, can you just imagine Mendo and Surefor as a deep death? <laughs> oh my god. Does it get any scarier than <laughs> that? That is pretty sick. That would rival the top. Deacon Surefor? Well, we had to vegan Mendo for a while, right? We did. <laughs> that was pretty sick. Yeah, to mm, be, well, which is better, to be concerned. I got his talk. To be concerned for it. I'll put Mendo on a different. I, don't know, I, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't like comparing to Vika Mendo for some reason. Like I feel like their skill sets are a little different. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Um, as far as Mendo's concerned, like I know back when like closed beta when everyone was playing, and like Mendo was on a team. I think he was playing with what was it like reunited at one point, or he was playing with well, IDDQD. IDQD was he, he was, was jumping reunited around for two weeks, then IDDQD. Yeah, he, he then... was he was getting around, but like point being, like he's really <laughs> kind of buckled down. Like he used to be a really uh, he was he was just like the definition of like an angsty kid, you know? Like that's how I pictured him in closed beta. And then he went to what was it? Take TV land? Was it Take TV? It was like home. They did like a Homestar yeah, Cup right. or yeah. something. Yeah. And he casted, and he like I feel like he grew up there in some way. And now he's been streaming like nonstop, and his stream is actually really good. And I feel like it's blown up to the point where it's like humbled him in some ways. So from like a personality standpoint, I feel like I watched a kid grow up since last year in Mendo. So I'm not That's really great. scared, I guess, from their personality standpoints anymore. But the stream um, is also potentially a problem. The other thing where once you get used to the streaming thing, you build it for several months. You don't want to give it up. As yeah. we've seen with Seagull, you definitely get to a point where you can't really dedicate as much to your stream. You have to choose between streaming or the pro gaming type thing. And if Men- I could see an issue there where Mendo still tries the bite from both ends and says, you know what, I want to do the streaming and do so C9 ends up burning himself up and ends up oversleeping for stuff, ends up having those issues. Yeah, that's true. It's totally something that C9 has to watch out for as it goes forward. Yeah. I just meant, I guess more his, he's not as uh, controversial. I don't think anymore. Like he's not spamming smiley faces in alt chat or <laughs> calling out people for missing headshots or something or keeping tally of the Widowmaker one V one score. The good old days. Oh, between them two. <laughs> yeah. It's like there was a time, like there were times for that. And I think at that time has passed, but um, no, they're definitely scary. That team and the rib pickup is so huge. Oh, actually rib. like rib is just a monster, man. Like, as Overall, far as open, people that I feel like ridiculous. are just consistently good, like, and the fact that he's consistently good as like a ringer, like he just mm-hmm. he'll just jump from team to team and be consistent. <laughs> like I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. what makes him so scary. Like imagine him with proper coaching on like a proper team with like long term practice. Like he can only get better, and I think that that's awesome. Yeah, we've got a bunch of roster changes this week, so mm-hmm. don't want to spend too much time going into it. But reunited also had a change, Kib who really made a name for himself as one of the best Genjis in the scene, uh, has actually decided to drop off the team uh, on the active roster. So this guy was an upstart young kid who played out of his mind at the Atlantic Showdown, uh, played very, very well. Um, He just decided to step down, actually. He decided that this lifestyle may not be what he's looking for. Who knows? He might end up on another roster eventually. But he steps down from the team. He's still going to remain with Reunited, but uh, going to remain with Reunited as a streamer and not an active player on their full-time roster. Um, so Onigod has replaced him, um, which is kind of interesting because Onigod seems to be their new pick for Zarya. Um, so it's not like a one-to-one replacement. Mm-hmm. So that kind of opens things up for Unfix to play a little bit more DPS. Uh, but what do you guys think about this chain? 
I think it's just one of those things where people take for granted that everyone can handle going to esports and dropping yeah. everything they're doing for it. And it's actually pretty rough where if you're not the type of person that's inclined to travel to go, hey, can you drop everything you're doing and come here to Seoul for two months? Just yeah, just get, come to this country where things are radically different. Just just for two months, it, it's one of those things where I, I totally understand where Kib is coming from here. And some again, it's one of those cases where not everyone is a super big fan of travel. I do think it's a big blow to a reunited roster that's mm-hmm. already having trouble, as evidenced at E League, where they weren't really in tune with the meta. They had one of their worst showings that they've ever had, and now they have to go to Korea and not only get over whatever was ailing them, and now get used to having a new teammate on who has big shoes to fill in Kib. It's not the greatest of times for Reunited. Yeah, the timing is what makes this whole scenario really bad, or at least in my opinion, just like very questionable. Like, they waited. I mean, E-League roster locked everybody. Like, we're seeing all these roster transactions happen now only because E-League's over. Um, Yeah. And I think the OGN thing, I don't know how far in advance they had to commit to it, but um, it kind of jumped. I mean, I I was surprised by the four teams having to be there for 12 weeks. So I I wonder how much a lot of these times had too, you know, and, and that's a lot of commitment. I mean, that, this is like to the point where you have to commit to doing this like full time or not, Uh, just kind of like what ZP was, was alluding to. And, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, aren't willing to do that. And, and it's fair too, because you know it's still a little bit unknown as to like you know what the future of Overwatch esports is. I think it's a little bit clearer than it was like six months ago, but you know it is still a big deal for a lot of people to, to commit that kind of time and lifestyle and whatnot. Going over to Korea, I mean, thankfully at least these guys have you know there, there's there's six of them, right? I mean, you know, some of the stories that we hear from like StarCraft 2, there's people going, it's lonely going over there, you know, like when you can't speak the language and, and you know, you don't really have that many, that, that many, uh, that group of friends to go out with and, and just to, to get acclimated there. So it's good that they at least have them, each other, but they better like each other. <laughs> That's for sure. Because yeah. if you I don't, guess, yeah, and I guess so to, that, to that question, do you, or I guess to that point, do you think that they knew, like, this whole thing was very sudden, and I, I almost wonder if he had known that he wasn't going to go to Korea before, when they had said that they were going. Because I don't know if I'm reunited if I say, okay, we'll go to Korea for 12 weeks if we know we're playing with a changed-up roster. Like, I don't know, reunited's in a weird pickle right now, but I, I just want to know. How, like I'm more curious as to like, how they got in this situation as opposed to – or like why they let this well, situation happen. I don't know like the specifics of – I don't know the specifics of the situation, but I will say that there is a general theme in Overwatch where the scene is exploding so quickly, so rapidly that the notice you get for events is oftentimes very, very little. I remember before going over to London, I had less than a week's notice, and that's on the casting end. And that's just a case where things come together very quickly and people are going about it. It's one of those things. It things pop up out of nowhere and just like, okay, we're going to go for this. And it leaves people with very little time to adapt. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a case where it did get dropped on reunited pretty quickly. They had to make a snap decision and kid was just like, uh, man, I can't do it. Yeah. So, and if you're reunited, it's like, how can you turn down night, you know, not going to the OGN league. I mean, the OGN league is, is next to the, you know, the APAC, which we've the first time we've seen Western teams play any of the Asian team. The OGN league, I feel like is, is more, you know, we've, we've got four teams over there. They're all split in different groups, and, and it's it's more of a, a true testament of, of a global esport, you know, uh, or a global Overwatch league. So it's hard for them to turn that down, even if they weren't ready. You know, if it was just, I guess if they were just the three people left or something like that, then I think maybe that's a different story. But with one person leaving, you know, I, I could totally see them, you know, still committing to it. 
Yeah, I mean, these guys are all in. Uh, they own the players are, are part owners in the reunited orgs. So oh yeah, that's right. They're obviously very motivated to keep things going. Uh, let's just hope that things work out because uh, we're going to get to this in a second. But it, not not looking so great so far uh, with Oni God. The one game that they played together, uh, the one week they've been together with this current roster. But uh, we're going to f- uh, finish out the roster changes with Dignitas, who has oh. cut uh, a couple players. So Dignitas is another team that's been underperforming uh, based on where we thought they should be uh, uh, or where they were in the past. And but- these changes are not a huge surprise either. Uh, they've ended up cutting Numlocked and Artir. And uh, this this kind of makes sense in ZP. I feel like I know what you're already going to be saying here. <laughs> like Dignitas was kind of in a in a, in a yeah. crisis where they were switching. Like Artir uh, at points. But they, they got rid of the wrong people is the yeah, problem. Sorry, you're gonna go, like, that, that's that. the re- <laughs> so he, here's the issue which blew my mind when I look at, looked at this. Because for me, the top three members on Dignitas, point blank, and in order, well, actually, not to, in order, number one is definitely Linkser. And then after that, Numlock and Artir were clearly number two and number three. You can argue where who was where. And I will tell you where Dignitas went down the wrong path, is that Dignitas was doing great up until the patch that nerfed 76 and buffed McCree. Now, I remember right before that patch, lots of people, I think, including me and you, Ben, and just in general, are like, wow, this patch is going to be great for Dignitas. Our tier has put more time on McCree than anyone, has one of the most devastating McCrees in the game. We see him do great things time and time again. And I think this patch is going to be really good for them. And what happens in that patch comes down. Bromos goes from 76 main to McCree main, and we never see our tier and McCree again. And Bromos doesn't even replicate a third of our tier's effectiveness on the hero. And Dignitas never changes. It just it blew my mind. And now the fact that our tier is off the team and Bromos is still on there as main DPS. Listen, I have no hate for Bromos, but just objectively, that's where the problems start with Dignitas. And this doesn't well, help them. I mean, I guess I'll talk to that point more. Is like the te- internal team politics is like the worst thing in the world, <laughs> honestly. Like dealing with your le- like whoever's in charge of your org versus like who's the person that talks to Dignitas as a sponsor. Like who's the in-game leader? Who's the one who's technically the leader on all the pages? Um, who's friends with who? Like stuff like that is like the most infuriating yes. stuff in esports, I think, and like the most stressful part for any player, like me included, when I was playing. Um, so there's clearly, like, that clearly came into play here, I think. Um, I don't know who's friends with who, who's better friends with who, who knows who better, who likes who better. But you can tell that there was definitely some internal issues because I agree. I mean, I remember our tier in beta because, like, when, when you're in the NA scene during closed beta, you weren't really playing much with the Europeans. Um, but mm-hmm. our tier, like, made a name for himself in closed beta as, like, one of the top McCree. And, like, I think he was a Widowmaker player, right? Or Linkster was yeah, the Widow and he was No, Linkster was more Widow. Our tier was more McCree. He yes. was McCree, rain, sleet, or shine. When McCree wasn't all that great, he found a way of making it work. And that's why everyone was so pumped to yeah. go, okay, yeah. McCree's getting buffed again. You were going to see him in everything. And we did see him in everything for a while. But now we get to see our tier bring it. And what happens? Bromos swoops in, says he's a better McCree than our tier. And our tier never gets to play the hero again. And surprise, surprise, Dignitas doesn't win anything after that either. So it's just, it, and it, so, this is one of those things yeah. I feel passionate about just because I feel like I got robbed of seeing Artier just do terrible things mm-hmm. to people on the crew. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those like blessing in disguise things, right? Like they might be better than that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not trying to like knock on Dignitas, but maybe them getting released isn't the end of the world. Like they'll find teams like Seb or Numlock. Seb's like very good at games. Like, Seb was 15 years old. He became one of the best TF2 players, like, in history. Like, when you talk – I mean, you guys aren't TF2 buffs, but 
when you talk about like the best demo men in TF2 like ever, Seb or Numlock's name comes up in the discussion. And he went on to quit TF2 to play League, and I think he got very he he didn't get like super deep in League, but he was like, I guess at the top of the non-professional scene. Or maybe he was at like the bottom of the professional scene. I don't know his credentials in League, but he's just a gamer. And he was definitely like so good at Winston and Reinhardt. Like he played well. So I guess it had to have done, been a personality or like a internal. Yeah, thing. yeah. I they'll find they'll find teams. You know, like those yeah. two will yeah. definitely. Yeah, find teams. no question. And to, and to your point, like Numlock, as far as his Reinhardt play was absolutely great. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where I remember looking at that. It was never Reinhardt where I looked at it and go, man, this Reinhardt is costing him games. He had incredibly solid production on Reinhardt. Uh, overall, and if there was any problem with Dignitas over time, it's that there was definitely issues on the support side of things where I remember watching games where Dracaeus was on Lucio and made just baffling decisions, just not good sound barriers, got picked off early. And then from the DPS side of things, Bromos, you look at all the games that Dignitas has had, has never really had the breakout crazy moments on a DPS that you can see from players like Artier when he was on McCree, like IDDQD, like Taimu. He's not at that point. And it just it feels like when Dignitas committed and doubled down on that decision and moved Artier off of that and put Bromos as the guy, they've never recovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they don't have, and they don't have replacements, do they? Um, well, they do have sorry, replacements. They play well, they do have replacements. Evo and uh, Vainless. Yeah, Evo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've been replaced by great players. Uh, I mean, both Evo and Vainless have been around since the very early days. Um, neither of which have really solidified on a super high level roster for a big amount of time. But uh, I mean, if if there's any silver lining here, I, I'm hoping that it means we're going to see more Genji from Linkser. Which is certainly possible with this with this switch up, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do have to imagine that it does come down to personality here, because from what I know, uh, Numlock was the the basically the leader of this team. Like he was the one who talked to Dignitas most. He was the one who was kind of like the de facto head of the of the team within Dignitas. So yeah, I think you're probably right, Flame. It does come down to a personality thing here. It, it absolutely is, and. It- I actually know more than letting on about that. That's not fit for air, which I, I, I apologize is a huge tease. But I guess yeah. the other thing uh, was I going to say here about this is that the one upside for Dignitas is that Linkser, his level of play has actually gone up quite a bit in recent times where at one point Linkser is like, oh, he's a really good widow. He's keeping things in check, but not super crazy to playing just shut down Mei, shut down Genji, just really coming into his own. I just don't know if he's going to have the absolute support that he's going to need in this current Dignitas mm-hmm. roster. It makes me a little bit sad because I bring this up every time I talk about this team. Uh, but these, this, the core of this team is from Dirty Bomb. They were the strongest team in Dirty Bomb for months and months and months. And Artir was part of that. It was Lynx, Artir, and Dracaeus who were that core. So n- that team is starting to vanish even more into the uh, in, into the annals of Dirty Bomb history, which is like a, a really huge game. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but I'm just kidding. It's it was very niche, but yeah. Um, I think we should get on to the uh, the actual tournaments because uh, we can actually talk uh, yes. about some of these rosters. I agree, and just uh, as a last note, on that I do hope RTR and Numlock get on a good team soon because both of them definitely deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once Seb gets off his 4G internet, I think he'll be able to solidify himself <laughs> as a top streamer or something. Like people like watching him anyway. He's very entertaining and he's got a really good personality. So he's. They'll figure it out. All right, let's talk about Asian. 
All right, let's talk about Asian Overwatch, or at least Asian, uh, yeah, just Asian Overwatch leagues here. And it's starting with the APAC premiere that's been been going on, and that's again, that's where Jason is. Jason and Michi just um, casting that right now, and we saw some interesting results already. Which you know, uh, last week we were talking a little bit. I, I think we even talked. Uh, we we were in, we were talking about Rogue, right? Flame, where Rogue, like what we've been hearing is that they've been scrimming over there and they just been crushing everybody. And uh, that's kind of what I expected to see when we when we finally got a chance to see Rogue on on broadcast. But no, they actually got upset by Lunatic High, uh, a Korean team, which I think shocked everybody, especially everybody here over in the West. Uh, and I don't know what do you, I know Flame. You made a whole uh, at least one of your streams, uh, just like a, a forty five minute video, just analyzing it. And I think it was great analysis. So what actually went wrong for Rogue here? Uh, I mean, this was probably one of the lesser, um, like when people, people watch this and they're like, oh my God, Korea's coming, like make way <laughs> for our West, our Eastern overlords. And like, I don't, I didn't feel like that watching it. It was, um, it just wasn't a clean match from Rogue, you know? Um, I didn't feel like it was the same Rogue that played at E-League. It definitely was not the same Rogue that played at ESL. Um, they would take fights that like they couldn't possibly win or they would like put themselves in positions to lose the next couple fights just by like overusing ults and stuff. So um, I forget the maps off the top of my head. I just remember like specifically on route 66, like both teams had a very, very, very hard time capping the first point of route 66. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not generally something that happens. Like if someone gets full held on 66, you expect the next team to just come in and roll them in a couple minutes, but it, it just wasn't a clean match. It was very scrappy. The whole match was very scrappy and I feel like Rogue could do better. So I, there wasn't. I don't think I take much stock in their loss um, as far as how good Korea is. I think it's just more Rogue has a lot to work on as a team um, because the Korean teams, um, just in general, are playing more structured Overwatch than the Western teams right now, for sure. And that's becoming more apparent as you watch the rest of the series, like the Reunited series, and especially that Rogue series. So what do you mean by They're, structured Overwatch? Um, I guess from my perspective, I generally, when I do like my VODs or whatever, I generally focus on like compositions and ultimate usage, like efficiency. And they're not, they don't burn alts. They don't like waste alts. They won't take a fight where they put themselves in a position to lose the next three. Like if you're on defense and you burn five alts at the same time, you just don't have alts for like the next minute or two generally, because you'll just keep getting rolled by the offense and they don't let that happen, but rogue will let that happen to them. And I think reunited let that happen to them a few times. So, um, yeah, I don't know, ZP, whatever your questions so, go. So just to cut <laughs> in, I think like a biggest part here, and it really was very noticeable when LW Red came over, the difference between the approach in the regions is very clear, is that I've been on TeamSpeak with teams as have done scrims and all the rest and how they approach things. In general, NA and EU teams are not playing the war, they're playing the battle, where they treat every battle as a must-win situation. Whereas you look at teams hailing from the Asia region right now, how they approach things is very different. They realize that it's okay to lose a fight and then end up being up in alt economy for the next three fights. They're much more diligent about they, how they handle things. They, when they lose fights, they tend to lose fights very well. They don't. Uh, a good example of this would be, again, I'll use the LW Red example because it's what a lot of people knew and all the rest. And you see it in what you see now in some of the newer uh, VODs is that when a team in the uh, Asia side of things loses a player and it's a 6v5, they will go out of their way to stall at that fight and make it so it's a productive loss, make the other team burn even more else to finish it out, back out, they bend, they don't immediately break. On the NA and EU side of things, when you lose a player, it feels like everyone doubles down trying to become a hero, and that one pickoff turns into your entire team being wiped very, very quickly. So 
it's just a difference in how teams are approaching it. The teams from Asia, they're more than willing to do more junk rushes, save up alts, and lose fights well. Whereas NNU is, we must win every fight. We can't uh, break at any point. And as a result, you're not playing the map anywhere near as well. Or as yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. And to what you're saying, like, when you say difference in styles, I mean, it's just that the Western team in, in that front is just worse, um, I guess, is how I see it. Because... Even when I was on Splice or whatever, even I had this mentality of like we should be losing fights. Like some people d- disagreed, but it's becoming very apparent now that you should be losing fights um, on purpose sometimes. And even I definitely remember the Rogue Lunatic match on King's Row. Like Lunatic had, they were on offense, I think. They capped the first point and then they like take a push into second and ha- they have zero ults. They just like speed boost in and like bait out like four ults or something from Rogue at the same time. And it was like the worst, like. It was the biggest overreaction to a an obviously one fight and like mistakes like that'll lose you games, but you could tell that it was completely executed and planned by Lunatic High to go in and bait out their ults. But the fact that they took the bait and took the bait so hard, like that's something that'll you'll get beaten multiple times doing that. Well, so the, I really like it. I don't know. I like that. The other thing too is I think the mind game can even go deeper than it is right now as well, where people have triggers, right? Where they go, oh, this just got used. Everyone batting down the hatches and all the rest. So I'll tell you right now, the teams could do more often. Some of the teams from Asia are doing this, but in general, uh, teams in general could implement this more across the board. So sometimes teams are wise. Junk rushes won't burn stuff until they see other alts. Nano boost still charges up really quickly. I guarantee you, if you hear a Lucio speed boost and then a nano boost go off, the other team, they're immediately going to blow three to four alts because that's how people evaluate situations yeah. right now. If you can trade a nano boost for three to four alts, you have won that fight, even <laughs> if you lose the fight, because your next fight is going to be incredibly easy, especially if you're attack against defense, where defense is going to be totally drained because they blew everything just for one nano boost. Yeah, I'll go. I, I'll talk. I guess I'll talk more to that because that was one of those things I think that was very, very apparent in the the recent reunited series was just the efficiency of nano boost mm-hmm. on like certain heroes and like how you can turn a game in your favor just by spamming it all the time off cooldown and trying to bait out the most out of the defense. But yeah, I mean the macro game needs to be cleaned up on the Western side of things. Um, this will be continually a problem. I didn't feel like any team got blown out of the water individually. I don't feel like the micro level, like the aim or the deathmatch ability is like super impressive from Korea but they're definitely playing as a team way more efficiently, at least in my opinion right now, at least more than Reunited and Rogue. And they're definitely having a better mental picture of just like that upper bar that you see when you're in Spectator, like who has all, who doesn't have all, how do I play around this? Like, So are you, are no. you surprised though at where they are? I mean, no, because they have coaching staff. There's a lot, mm-hmm. and I mean, ZP will talk more about this than I will, but if you have coaches that are constantly watching you in spectator and just watching that upper bar, that upper bar where you can see all the ults and health is a very telling. Um, there's a lot of information to grab from it that you don't get while you're playing as a player. So if you don't have that coaching staff or like that analyst that's like sitting there watching your VODs, like seeing like, where did this go wrong? Where'd you guys go wrong here? You won't really start making these connections to like, Oh, we lost cause we didn't have sound barrier and they did. Or we lost because they popped nano boost before we popped nano boost, so they had the more efficient one or whatever. Like, you don't get that if you're not looking for it. Um, so I think that the coaching staff is definitely becoming more necessary for this game, or at least you're seeing the advantage of having it. Mm-hmm. And this is where NANU are really going to be. They have a pickle to say the least. And the biggest problem is that in NANU right now, 
most of the the coaching that's going on right now, unfortunately, goes into the category of glorified VOD recorder, where you don't have coaches <laughs> that are empowered to, to tell a player, look, here's your practice schedule for next week. You are going to do this. We are going to look at that. And there will be consequences X, Y, and Z if you blow it off. And NANU, it's very much player-focused, where the players call the shots. And if they do have someone that's coming in, it's a very light advisory role. They're not commanding the players. They're not making any sort of game plan and all the rest. And even if NANU start losing two teams hailing from the Asia regions because of their superior coaching structure, it's going to take a while for teams to get on board and go, okay, maybe we do need to have a more coach-centric first set up here where we do have someone calling all this because right now I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon in NNU for a variety of reasons. It, it, when I say variety, I really do mean a variety. It's A, you have to find the qualified people. B, the players have to be on board with listening to someone and going on that schedule and having someone with that much control. And then C, you have to have orgs that are willing to shell out at least equivalent money for a coach where honestly uh, teams are already paying out so much money for the players right now. I don't think they're going to be super eager to be playing a coach as much or more to be doing this. So it, there's a lot of barriers for NAU to get the same level of coaching. That's almost certainly going to be pushing teams from Korea teams from China over a lot of your NAU teams sooner rather than later. Yeah, and if you didn't see the dominance of Korea on the horizon, you probably uh, haven't been following esports for long enough. Mm -hmm. Because this was kind of inevitable. Everybody knew that Korea, at a certain point, was going to tip over the edge and be at the level where they can compete with any other team from any other region, if not be the best region in the world. I just didn't think it was going to be this quick. Yeah, I, uh, quick. I, I, think you're, I think you're blowing it a little out of proportion, but... Just, I mean, just from the stance of, I feel like there's still teams that can that could have put up way better results in these matches than Rogan Reunited did. I'm not like saying Rogan Reunited are like bad or not playing, but they definitely were not playing the level of Overwatch that they were able to put up at E League. Like an any like, I would rather see how Envy does. I, I don't really care how NRG does, but I'd rather see them play against like a Fnatic, against the Mystics, wow. against a um, just a team that has consistently good results. Um, but Rogue didn't look strong to me, and Reunited were picking maps in their series that I feel like were Kibbs maps, not Reunited's maps. Like, they were picking these Genji-centric maps and then not running Genji. Or, like, the way the map pool was was very Genji-centric, and then they got ran over by a Genji because they didn't have their own because Kib had left. But it's I would much rather watch, see how Misfits does. I, I want to see how Fnatic would do. I want to see how Liquid would do, this new C9 roster. But, like, just in terms of the ability to adapt because comp switches weren't there for Re Rogue or Reunited. The comp switches, like the, the alt usage, the management wasn't there. But the ma it has been in the past, which is why it was so shocking to me. So I'm not sure. I'm not throwing up my hands and saying EU and NA are screwed. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, that's very, I don't want that to give that impression whatsoever. I just didn't think that we were they, Korea was even going to be on the same level until uh -oh. like maybe early 2017. But it seems like it's already getting to that point. I mean, you go back three, four months ago when we were first starting to see some of the Chinese and Korean teams trickle into the online tournaments. And yeah, it's online. But they didn't even look like they were on the same plateau. Like they weren't even close to where the top teams, it's, the very top teams he, were here's, in NA and EU. So to me, this is very quick. Yeah. But we've seen this it's, happen before. It's big. With the Kespa pros joining StarCraft 2, it only took them a couple of months to get on the exact same level as everyone else. So. It's big. Here's the... Yeah, I was gonna just one one quick thing is it's a big thing for them to lose too. Like, you, you know, 
it, it just gives all the, the other Korean teams more confidence. And, I mean, we're talking about Rogue, too. It doesn't matter how... Even if they had a bad day and didn't play well, and we know they can play better, just that loss is significant in, 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 so, that, in that region, too. So it's, it's yeah, a big deal. Course. It's definitely yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal. And here's... I mean, there's a few things with Rogue in particular. I think it just sort of shows that Rogue, for a while, was holding an invincibility cloak when they went to in-person events where they didn't suffer the inconsistency that they did online. Well, I do think they looked relatively poor in that showing. It wasn't all just their competition. Uh, Rogue mm-hmm. with some issues there. I will yeah. say this, though. The thing that's very scary about the future of NA and EU by comparison right now is that what uh, is lacking from NAU, I feel like is much harder to replicate and institute than what is lacking from the Asia regions right now, where they don't, they had to work up to play Overwatch a little bit more. They didn't have people that are playing Overwatch S games for a huge amount of time. But here's the thing is that it's very well documented how you build up mechanical skill and game sense in a game like Overwatch in your sort of arena shooter S games that have the thing. It's not it's not a secret as to how to build up really good hit scan aim. It's not a secret as to how to drill things to get better. Whereas by comparison to NNU, I feel like it is somewhat a secret to them to figure out how to get a really good coaching staff in place. That's going to give you the prep you need to win teams that are playing very methodically and approaching the game in a different game sense. So right now I, I feel like that at least the mechanics for NNU should be able to hold strong for maybe another three months, maybe six months if you're super optimistic. But after that, I actually do think the situation could get very grim before it gets better on the NA and EU side. I mean, I'll play devil's advocate here because I actually think that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned just even a few minutes ago was that um, money was an issue, you know, not, not paying the coaches and whatnot. Uh, but we're seeing we're starting to see money backing for a lot of these these teams now. So yes. money will not be an issue actually in in the future. Uh, so it's more yeah, it's going to be more of how you know to to find good coaches. Like how do we find good coaches in the space before players have quit playing? You know, like we, we I think we talked in previous episodes that there there'll be a time where where there'll be former players that become coaches, and then there will be you know the coaches that that are respected by the players and will have that type of authority over the players. But yeah, I don't know how we get there necessarily, but if it's a structure thing where in a matter of like paying people, that should not be an issue at all. No, I don't think that that's an issue. I mean, I don't want to like, I'm not going to say anything, but I've been approached, like I have been approached actually like coach and not like random low tier teams, like pretty high tier up there, top four, top eight teams from NA. But it's one of those things where even in my head, I'm thinking to myself like, how do well, like, would this even work? Like, am I even convinced that these players are going to listen to me? You know, like, it's definitely one of those things like where EZP was talking about like the you have to have the authority and like not saying that like I couldn't have authority or someone couldn't have authority, but you have like there's some pretty big egos in this scene. So you have to somehow convince them that they have to listen to you and like that you're well, the, in charge. I mean, the power so will swing. Role. The power will swing to the team organizations, and they will. You know, right now, I think we're we're starting to see this transition from you know being teams just being sponsored. You know, these teams stay collective, and they're they're basically their own little entity. And then these teams come and sponsor them more so than than really get into their business. You know, and and affect how how things are being run by the team. So I think we're getting to the point where we're transitioning. So that problem that you're having, Flame, I think will change in in the coming months. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. It's just right now, it's like it's an awkward situation to be in. I guess like if you're if a team's established and then you pick up a coach as an afterthought, 
it's like they're sure. already established so now you're like the new guy coming in as like in charge of them as opposed to the other way around which i guess i would hope that that's how it happens in korea like they have the coach and then the coach picks the players or something right oh, yeah. that's yeah. actually sure. that's how it has sure. to be that's yeah. that's where it's going to be a very harsh adjustment period where i agree if you're a brand new team coming to the scene and you want to make it you start with coach first let the coach go in pick the players and you have authority from day one and control the team. Mm -hmm. The part where it's going to get very complicated is that a team that's already doing very well, like envy needs to take the next step. How do you suddenly radically readjust their internal structures so that they're all going to the beat of a coach where most of them might not respect the coach on the same level as they do other yeah. players. That's going to be incredibly difficult. And that's where I think it's going to be a big adjustment period for NNU if and when the period comes where they are losing consistently to other regions. All right. Well, we, we've kind of beaten this uh, yeah. Korea versus <laughs> West thing to death, but I do want to continue going through some of these results here really quickly. Yeah. Reunited also lost three to zero against a Korean team um, and reunited. Definitely. They have, they've got a new roster. Oni God's on there for the first time. They definitely didn't look as good as they have in the past, uh, but another team runaway beat reunited three Oh, and off the back of some incredible Genji play. Uh, there were some pretty fun mm -hmm. moments from that, from that uh, matchup as well. Then you move on to the Alienware monthly melee, which just took place uh, in the middle of last week, which CP had the pleasure of casting. And uh, of course we talked about it, mentioned it earlier, cloud nine, took the win against uh, teams like Team Liquid, uh, FaZe, and Complexity. And I do bring up Complexity for a reason here, because Complexity actually was the runner-up in this tournament. Um, they they actually beat FaZe, who's been really on the up-and-up as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think an interesting storyline beyond the new Cloud9 roster performing pretty well uh, recently, just a few days after being formed, I think the other storyline from this tournament is that Complexity made it really deep in the bracket after being kind of off the scene for a while the thing about complexity complexity just picked the absolute worst of worst times to suddenly have a dramatic slump because there was a period where they were top four mm -hmm. in na and giving good fights to pretty much all the teams and then well minus top that two. Dorado game top two, and uh, two. Yeah. but but then it just they had just an undescribably bad slump they didn't qualify for atlanta and they've had a lot of time to sort of mull over that and go okay what do we have to do to fix what is clearly broken here and i'm not so sure anything dramatic has changed more than the sense that they whatever was bugging them they seem to have gotten over a bit and they definitely looked good in the monthly melee there's no doubt about it yeah i think well i guess to the apex results from reunited and the melee results from c9 i think there's a lot of problems right now with some of the upper teams in their ability to switch their hero compositions um like i watched the c9 match against complexity for the finals and they ran a surefire pharaoh with like a or a mendo pharaoh with like a surefire hanzo or mccree and they didn't have like you could tell that complexity didn't know who to put on mccree like it was one of those times where like you want someone to play McCree, but if the like it wound up being in a they were they were in such a weird position where like their it was Torque is the McCree player, but he was playing Zarya, so then they had to like drop their Zarya for the McCree, and like that didn't work. Uh, and like even the reunited match, it's like there were times where they wound up just not having any answer to a Genji. Like it, like this Haxel guy, he's insane on Genji, yeah, but you're even better on Genji if you're playing against zero stuns. So <laughs> you need McCree. Yeah, you need McCrees that are like really good and you need Reinhardt's that are really good and you need like all of these players to be able to swap on the fly because you might go into like if Reunited had played a team that didn't have a great Genji, they might have been better off, you know? And if uh, seen if complexity can't handle Farah and a team comes out with a Farah, 
then like does complexity just auto lose i'm like that's kind of how these two matches went in my opinion they were very almost stomps but as a result of people not being able to be on the heroes they needed to be on I don't like ragging on one point constantly mid cast and just hammering it over and over again. I like looking for positives. I really try to accentuate the positive, but But for complexity (laughs) where it's just like Mendo's on Farah just can eat a sandwich and play at the same time because (laughs) he's just on Hollywood and no one is shooting at him for something like three minutes, four minutes until finally switching the creep. It was insane, dude. It's just like, why? Like, how have you guys not swapped? Like, I I looked at, if you noted the cast, like, okay, great, Torque, about to have Zarya alt. I don't think this is worth letting the Farah just do whatever she wants for minutes on end. Like, if you're the only McCree player, please just spare the cast get on the crease so i watched yes yeah, so, so i watched that vod actually like i watched your and zp's <laughs> cast or whatever and the camera was constantly on mendo for the entire offense because he was just doing whatever he wanted but when they ended the map they actually didn't have the greatest time and in my head i was like oh this was a four minute stomp because all you watched was mendo never die <laughs> do whatever he wanted <laughs> but it was just a nine minute vod of him shooting and shooting oh, man. And, like his teammates would die his teammates would die behind him, but you wouldn't even notice because he he wasn't playing like his teammates were dead. He was just literally flying around the map as a fair and just never dot like never being. It's tough. a case where Mendo so, didn't even have to have insane. like the best fair game, and arguably he didn't have like craziest fair yeah. plays there. But when no one is shooting at you for all of pretty much the entire map, it's just okay. You could do whatever you want because complexity clearly is not putting a value on shutting you down and I I think that's just the case where I I don't know what was going on for complexity in that particular series I doubt they will let that happen again I very much doubt it but (laughs) for whatever reason that's just one of those things where it was almost surreal watching that in the moment it's just like guys please like such a cocky comp man like they came out with like a Hanzo and a Pharah on offense like no one's done that like that's not a thing like that shouldn't be a thing and it works but I think like complexity just didn't seem in the zone that day either I mean I don't want to make excuses for anybody but I watched the Nepal match even and there was like one point I think they went to mid with a May on Nepal village or whatever it's called the one with the bridge upstairs and like the point on the ground mm-hmm. but they wound up having control of the point and they had like complete dominance of the map, like just absolute no way for C9 to break the map. And then all of a sudden, like three of their players just decide to push the choke for no reason. One of them dies and then C9 just walks in without using any ults. It was like, <laughs> what is like, what am I watching right now? And like, I, I, I didn't feel like they were at their strongest, but I guess like them beating, they beat FaZe pretty handedly, but FaZe is another one of those teams where some days they look like the best team in the world. Other days you're like, what is happening? Well, a lot of it comes down to two. He's just the most variable player in the world, where some days he looks like one of the very best players in the game, and other days he just sort of doesn't show up. And I think for that particular day, you got sort of the medium tier too easy, where he was not the crazy uh, day two uh, alien, or not alien, but uh, E-League uh, player. And well, that's a 4 a.m. thing too, right? Yeah. 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 Can't help. Can't help the time exactly. zones. You know, so you know, one thing we didn't touch out at all with the the you know just the um, the event in China and the event in, in Korea. What'd you guys think about the production? And I mean, I heard like a million God. people were watching oh on Chinese those play, streams. Those and, play-by-plays, the replays yeah. in the OGN tournament. <laughs> like the first time Sick. I saw it, I was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." And then they wound up using it at a time where I wanted the camera to not be doing it, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, please don't abuse this! Like, don't ruin this for me!" Like a team fight was starting, and they were still watching the previous fight. Like, but it was it was really nice. Like everything was really good. Yeah, 
Oh I, my I, god, the stages for both actually. Yeah. The, the stages for the the Chinese event. It's probably one of the sickest stages I've yeah, ever yeah, seen in esports. Like no joke. It completely variable with screens everywhere, shit going on all over the place. But OGN, it's OGN, man. They've been doing this for 15 years. They're the best yeah. in the business, and you can really see that with the quality of the uh, the production. Yeah, I'm just gonna say this between E League, which was incredible, the two <laughs> productions that are going on right now in Asia that are also incredible. I think it's actually a case where if I'm right now the person that I don't or the org that I don't want to be when I'm looking at bidding for things going into 2017 is probably ESL because a new standard has been set. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. this is it blizz. You've got to think that blizzard going forward, when they look at what we want to have a production, they're seeing the Turner stuff and going, this is awesome. They're seeing the OGN and APAC stuff and going, this is awesome. And anyone else that wants to get into overwatch and wants That's to true. be running a big, in-person event, you're going to have to meet the standard that these three events have set. And that's going to be difficult uh, for some companies that haven't always met that standard. So I think it's going to be interesting. It just, it makes, I think it's really good for the scene in general that that is what people are going to be coming used to. It's pretty amazing, actually, <laughs> is, how yeah. young the game is and how it incredibly uh, diverse the tournament organizers have been, how many different organizations are jumping in, the production value, the investment from every angle, from every region is actually insane. If you think about it, like I don't think any other esport has ever gotten this kind of treatment right off the bat. And yes, it's Blizzard. Yes, it's the second biggest PC, uh, biggest sales for P any PC game ever in the history of the PC console or like computers in general. Like So it makes sense, but it's still flabbergasting to just see how quickly we've gotten to this high level of production. I, I want to say, though, I thought Doa and Monte Cristo did a great job. Mm -hmm. you know, we're yeah, not yeah. getting any crazy earth-shattering analysis, but in terms of explaining what's going on to the, the layman pros, and yeah. keeping it entertaining, they did they did amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning yeah. so much just watching everybody. Like, between those two and then, like, you had Semler and Anders the first day of E-League, mm -hmm. like, the, just the ability for these people to just watch a game and just, like, be able to talk about it so well it's just it's like mind-boggling to me it's it's um, the craft so you know good. what i mean like yeah. it just shows you there's it's craft. Art. it's its own art yeah, yeah. in casting. well the, the thing that people tend to underrate a lot in casting and certainly it's something that you know i've had my own journey on and all the rest but p the vocal part and how you present things how you're talking about things it all matters it's a case where even if you're newer to the game you can go i need to bring up these key parts and this is going to keep the cast really smooth and going forward and these are people that are incredibly experienced anders and similar of course amazing professionals doa monty also just phenomenal and they know their craft really well and it's not surprising that these people have done in time where they have done a lot of research and how to cast about the game but then they can portray their skills that they've refined from other games and really make a good showing. So it, it doesn't come as a huge surprise to me and it's uh, really been good to see the work. I just like the fact that there's probably been a lot of minds changed over Overwatch esports over the last probably month now. Now, now you see like the, you know, just these huge productions that we've seen, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago guys that we've had people basically say that, Oh, Overwatch esports will not happen. I mean, like, People in the industry too, and maybe in other games or whatnot. Just there's no way. There's, that's just not going to happen. Like we haven't, we've never seen a class-based FPS ever work in esports, and it's really, really cool that I, I feel like we're beyond that point at this point. You know, and Blizzard hasn't even come out with their big league yet. You know, what I mean, they haven't even said what they're going to be doing or whatever. You know, in terms of esports, so like it can only get, it can only you know be propelled even higher. And then it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening to the OGNs. And are, do they just partner with Blizzard, you know, and do all these things or, or what? But 
for now, I'm definitely enjoying everything that they're coming out with, and and it's it's, it's definitely a good time cool. to be a fan. Like, yeah, I, I just totally people who are interested in Overwatch esports actually put the legwork in to follow everything because yeah. the the most difficult thing and the biggest problem right now is just how uh, disjointed the whole scene is. To be able to actually follow and watch everything and know when it's going on and what channel to tune into is actually like the hardest thing. Uh, but if you want high quality entertainment from the Overwatch scene, there's just way too much going on right now for you not to well, be enjoying yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the important thing going forward too is you know don't forget is that there's all this potential extra development that could happen too, right? Like what happens if you ever hit a point where the main game has an esports portal? What happens yep. if you hit a point where you're able to link in a good way, a good and wholesome way, not uh, what is going on with what went on with CS, yes. but a way of giving people say rewards in-game rewards for participating in esports related things these are things that in theory are possible and if they ever do happen that would spike viewership to absolutely crazy levels given the install base of the game well imagine when we start seeing more esports threads on reddit too (laughs) like just on our Uh, overwatch we haven't even gotten to that point yet so uh, i think when that starts happening too then there's just gonna be more exposure to it i I still think it's relatively small right now and we can tell as far as uh, the main subreddit goes yeah i think so all right well why don't we take some questions we uh you know obviously have a, a lot of folks watching right now so if you have any questions let me see if i have any on twitter here um, if not, then go ahead and, and link your, or not link, but tweet, or not tweet, type in your questions in uh, Twitch chat right now. And if you want a higher priority, go ahead and tweet those to myself, at ChamMV, and I'll read those out. So, any- uh, One more bit of uh, news that actually came in yesterday. I didn't actually catch it before oh, the show, but okay. I want to let everyone know. Um, thanks. Uh, I forget who it was, but someone in chat let us know that we were missing this. Anox has actually benched both of their Quake legends, uh, Cypher and Cooler, are no longer actively oh, wow. on the active roster for this team, which makes me really sad because I'm such a fanboy of both of these players from the Quake days. Uh, Cypher, mm. arguably one of the most, the, the best player throughout of all of Quake Live, uh, and uh, you know Cooler is just a legend. So that's kind of sad to see, but you join Team Liquid. I throw that in there. <laughs> just make the whole thing Quake. Just make the whole team a Quake team. But. Yeah, any questions? Uh, let's see. There was some, I mean, I I'll, I'll guess I'll go on Ben right there, but sure. I felt like I, I read something on ES Reality today, and I haven't even seen ES Reality in so long. That website Oh, my God, don't remind died me of that. For me yes. when I, like, I used to read it when oh, I was, like, when God. Quake Live was new, but there oh, was a post a about time. Cypher and Cooler today, and, like, it sounded like there was some insider information, but... Not to like harp on anybody, but it sounded like it was another one of those personality things where like people just weren't getting along well or had different ideals on the game, and I yeah. and that's going to keep happening for sure. Um, like the whole C nine, you could tell that when C nine broke up, like there were definitely mixed feelings about how the game should be played, and it seemed like that's the case with Dignitas even. Hmm. But as people are watching Korea now, I think that these problems are going to keep growing. Like I think some in-game leaders and players want to play this more macro style. And some of the other players are like, nah, man, we can just deathmatch and stuff. And we're going to keep seeing roster switches in this fashion where it's going to have like your whole team's have to be on the same page. And we're just, I think this is where it's starting. I think this mm-hmm. is like a good indication that you just need people to. The, the real question is who's out. making these decisions. You know, it's like, it's one thing if you're just so, dissatisfied and uh, you know and just not happy you just leave yourself 
But what happens when there's three people and then, you know, like three and three type of thing? Or, you know, it, it's not like a voting, like you got voted out of the freaking tribe or anything like that. I mean, the politics yeah, is, it's, just, it's, about it. it's like, such a, it's just a mess. It's like, yeah. oh, you're either with us for, or you're against us. For a lot of teams right now, it really does sort of come down to pure democracy, which is not necessarily the best thing. Because what happens if you, pure democracy with a mix of, do you have a very important player in the team in terms of fame, streaming, etc.? that's talking with the sponsor yeah. and it's not it's not really a great it's not healthy. scenario for making yeah, the best decisions for your team in the least and were, it's not good you were just talking and, about mendo too zp like if it's about streaming and stuff too doesn't that like aren't those conflicting and it's kind of weird well from the, from the orange is, perspective like if you have a player like mendo and Sherford that get a lot of viewers their yeah. opinion is that like weighted higher than say someone who doesn't yeah, stream as much. I, I can see that yeah um and that goes on to other things like if you have very popular people on Twitter and they have more outreach for sponsors, like if they where retweet yeah, where a link. Yeah, where they should. Like, yeah. 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 It's interesting how that works out as far as the stream goes because the problem is that Overwatch is such a competitive game. It's so intense on the competition side of things that it's hard to do a high quality stream on the consistency that Twitch demands because the, the hard fact about Twitch is that if your stream isn't on on a consistent basis, you're not going to grow and not go forward. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing what you have to do to grow your stream on Twitch, you're probably not able to do what you need to do to grow as a player. Because I think one thing that people underrate is that streaming time and playing as a streamer is not increasing your skill anywhere near at the same rate as simply playing on your own is it's just it's a different thing when you have to worry about answering questions worrying about keeping it entertaining versus just i'm going to focus on my game i need to improve x y and z you pay a price for streaming and that's why as things get more intense you're seeing a lot of people stream less but it's sort of a conflict right because if you're a cloud nine you would be ecstatic if your team could somehow have a bunch of 10k plus concurrent streamers and still do well in tournaments so there's sort of that tension that's always there Yep. Yeah, it's not like it's not like it's Dota or whatever. Like when you solo queue in Dota, like it's a little bit easier, I think, to learn or like from the games. But you can get some pretty awful pub games right now <laughs> yeah. in terms of just compositions, in terms of attitudes, in terms of just drive to win and like how intense people treat it. So, yeah, I mean that that all plays into it as well, I think. And um, it's hard. It's it's definitely hard. Like even like even I'm trying to just stream right now. Like I could definitely not be on a team right now if I was streaming at all. And like I don't know how people do it. I mean, I guess for Mendo it'll be more. He'll have to pick. But um, even Siegel yeah. hasn't been streaming that much, and he made a huge choice going to Korea. Yeah, streaming from Korea is not really even the easiest of things. I'm sure. His fan base is not on Korean time zone. Yeah. Well, spe um, sp speaking of Seagull, from what I've heard from like Shade and, and some of the other people, is that he's like a freaking rock star there, man. Like they, they've had to have security teams like just basically leading them in and out of buildings and. Well, yeah, seriously, it, it, it's it been crazy. A, it shades a grubby. Like there's that video where Grubby is, I think, an event in China or something, and <laughs> he, he decides to top out a window to get away. But then someone spots him, and you just see this massive humanity <laughs> running towards Grubby. Grubby has to immediately get back into the window, and get, closes the doors. It's like, okay, that's not working. So yeah, I mean, Seagull might be getting that treatment right now. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. All right, we do got a question. We got a question here uh, for ZP. Uh, what do you think about the new spectator updates and what other improvements you'd like to see? 
I think it's a very good start. I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that need to go forward in spectator mode, in particular, like better ways of implementing stats and all the rest. But um, for right now, it's a big increase in uh, usability and a big boon to online and community tournaments where the camera work, you're going to have static places that you can go to. That's going to make things smoother in that end. The camera smoothing that's built in now when you do free cam looks absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And just general UI updates are great. And Again, I think there's a way to go, but it's a big step forward, and it's going to make tournaments, even from this point forward, look that much better. Yeah, somebody asked in chat, what what can we do for smaller indie tournaments and grassroots tournaments uh, that don't have a five-person production team and a switcher <laughs> and a producer? Yeah. Uh, and I think the answer is this patch was actually going a really long way to help those bedroom streamers because you're going to be able to swap to spot to spots around the map. If you do the legwork to set those spots before the matches start, you're going to be able to swap to them with key presses. Uh, you don't need to have like a, a Xbox controller or something fancy to smooth it out. So a mice, mouse and keyboard is going to be much better. So this should, in theory, help. Uh, other than that, I mean, it, there's really not much you can do, not much else you can do from home. But this patch is, goes a long way to help with that. Yeah, spectating is like an art, like solo spectating. There's like an art to it. And like a under yeah. you have to like have a really pretty deep understanding of what's gonna happen next to do it effectively by yourself. So until I guess you get like delays or something, it's gonna be hard still for indie. Delays would be great. But, yeah, Delay would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, I think that this is just the beginning too. Like this is what the first up I mean the first uh update with, you know, some major spec spec changes well maybe the second there was the, the first one there, there was one like a while back yeah so the, the, i would we, give i would give that the first one original ui yeah. which uh, definitely was not the greatest <laughs> that was a lot with the but bugs that, that, and that, shit yeah well, i mean that was, that was also just a case of okay we just need to get this in quickly it wasn't like oh this is yeah. we're presenting this as the most polished thing it's like well we want to get something in and sometimes people don't realize that in terms of game stuff it does take a while for all that stuff to come in i know everyone is like well why isn't polished and super great now it's like well it takes time to get to where people want it and things develop pretty quickly yeah uh let's see there any other questions ben you see in here uh people a couple people are talking about uh how long we think mendo can stick with this cloud nine <laughs> roster and i think it's i mean it's a legit question we talked about it before um but from what i've heard Mendo was happy playing with Tavik because he respected Tavik. He's one of the few players that he respected uh, to be like on a similar level mm-hmm. to him. And I think Surefor could be that same level of DPS that Mendo will feel like he's, his talent is, is not being wasted or anything like that. So I think yeah. Cloud, this Cloud9 roster, if anything, the fact that there's another like high-level star DPS player on that roster, I feel like that could keep him around for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for, but hard for to me, say. It's a big question mark. I feel like it's not even so much chemistry that's going to do Mendo in if there is a thing that causes him and C9 not to work out. It's the question of can Mendo balance all the things that are around him in a proper way and actually do uh, you know deal with it in a mature manner because you think about where he had issues on teams like IDD, QD, and uh, other stuff in the back. It was just simply making practice schedules consistently was a problem. It was definitely a problem for the uh, first iteration of phase that had you know, Bendo, Clamp, and others. And for him, it's can he keep himself on a regimented schedule and be disciplined? I think that's actually the hardest part for him, especially if he tries to maintain his stream, which he's built up diligently over the last few months at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you if he's going to succeed in that. I think there's, like, honestly, I flip a coin. Yeah, Fair enough. <laughs> I'll give him the benefit of the, of the doubt for now, but, I mean, ZP's not wrong. It's just, uh, you know, it's like it, you 
I don't want to put stock in like you never know. Like you really don't. Yeah. It's been it's been ten months I think since we saw him on a team or like since we saw him make these crazy. He's young um, too. Mistake. Like, yeah, he's young. He's got time to grow. It's just I guess in the near future, do you? See, I see them doing well. Whether or not it's sustainable is I guess the real question. But until they give me a reason to think it's not, or he gives me a reason to think it's not, I wouldn't put too much stock. Like the other night, I was streaming and he was in my chat and he didn't even want to stream and like that's surprising to me. Like. He's he's I actually like worry for his health sometimes the amount of hours he'll stream in a row. You'll be like, oh, it's it's six o'clock in the morning and Mendo's streaming. And then it'll be like, oh, it's eight o'clock at night. Mendo's still live. And you'll like do the uptime command in his chat. And it's like, oh, 20 hours and seven minutes. And you're like, wow, is he alive? Like, how does he how does he do this? And like, that's where it, it gets scary. But it, it um, does. We'll and I, I will say this. I do think that if C9 continues doing as well as they did in the last monthly melee, there's certainly going to be a bit of a honeymoon period where is C9 wanting to go along with this, wanting to keep those results up is going to bend over quite a bit to make things work out really well. It's just a matter of will they be able to get on that schedule that it works for everyone in the long term. It doesn't make everyone just sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fight it with each other and all the rest, which can be an issue. So like I said, I put it more 50, 50. I think it could be a very good thing. And C9 could have a big resurgence from it, or there could just be issues and it'll fall apart. We'll have to see. Yeah. It's going to be a battle of the egos. I think too, at some point, like who's, yeah. who's the in-game shot caller. You don't really want your DPS to be the in-game shot caller. You generally want like your off tank or one of your supports to do it. So um, as far as whoever's main calling for C9 versus like Mendo's understanding of the game, Mendo's ha- Mendo, I think, has had a reputation of like he has a way that he sees the game. And I think that this was one of the issues on the phase roster was like the way he sees the game is the way that he thinks it should be played. And if you're not on board with him, then you're not on board with the team. So um, I think that that clash will we'll see where that clash winds up or how that mm-hmm. gets resolved. But I think if they can get past that, then they have the potential to be one of the strongest rosters in North America, if not the world, if like they can iron out any kinks in their metagame and their um, macro play as far as alts and stuff, because their individual talent on that roster is so good. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's going to be a lot of modes that we're going to be seeing, and especially more alien. What are, what other terms are they going to be playing in soon? Do you guys uh, know? Later, later this month, uh, so it hasn't been officially announced mm-hmm. yet, as we're hammering a few spe- few specifics, but. Uh, before we have teams starting the f- where players are all going to be MIA because of uh, BlizzCon related stuff, yeah, uh, we do want to get two more melees in, one for EU, which will be a first, and then another here for NA. So okay. I mean, it is monthly, cool. but it's going to be basically two in one month. Where it's a case where we're kind of forced to go earlier this month because of uh, all the players that are flying out, and we we're forced to go really, really late because of E League being so dominant. But uh, hopefully, two more really good monthly tournaments coming in this month so should be okay. something to look forward to and it'll be uh, one of our last tastes of like really high end between just na and eu for a while because of course blizzcon with so many people gone that's going to be a big blackout period yeah absolutely i hope that there and hopefully we get a new hero to just like throw a monkey wrench into everyone's plans and like <laughs> just reset everything eventually oh, yeah should be coming <laughs> be shocked <laughs> you now <laughs> I mean, they got to announce something big at BlizzCon, so it's, you know. I mean, that a moment in crime is going to hit 100 pretty soon. I'm more concerned with that right now. <laughs> with the BlizzCon stage, yep, we got a new character. <laughs> and it would be funny to see if any of the countries try it out. Uh, but, okay, well, I think that's going to be it for just the Q&A. Thanks for the folks that did ask questions. And why don't we wrap up the show? It's been a fantastic show having you guys come join us again. But, ZP, you want to do any shout-outs? And where can people find you? 
Uh, really, a uh, shout out to Pretty Simple. You can follow me Twitter at TempoZP. Definitely check out the tournaments later on the month and follow the Twitter of all the other much more handsome than me people that are here on the stream right now because <laughs> it does matter. Yes, yeah, pub- publicity is such a big thing, definitely man. Like, true. I mean, I don't even want to derail this topic, but like, getting your name out there is so like it's just hard, you know. <laughs> I mean, just getting a following, getting people on board, like, it's he's right. Like, those follows matter at some point. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, just having a channel for you to, you know, just promote, you know, promote whatever you're you're doing or what you want people to be seeing or some something cool that that's happening. You know, it's a, it's a big deal for sure. Flame, how about you? Shoutouts, where can people find you? Uh, I mean, shoutouts, I guess, to everyone from, like, my stream that came in here or, like, just supports me in general. I don't know, my stream's still growing really fast and, like, I'm getting overwhelmed, but the VODs are doing pretty well. So if you haven't checked them out, uh, go to my YouTube. I think it's Flame617, and then my my Twitch is just Flame. But you can find all my social media there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, shoutouts to everyone that's been keeping me going these past couple months because it's been rough i mean it's just been like oh there's just been so much overwatch and like i'm trying to establish myself in some way but um it's definitely rough like there's so much competition out there like people are casters already like i don't really want to take step on any casters toes i want to just do analysis but then there's already an analysts and then like there's so much it's it's so hard like it's such a shark tank of like things you have to work through right now and i think it's cool but yeah that's all i have Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally casters from every other community are <laughs> getting in on this. I know, you're like, all right. From League, from Call of Duty, from Counter-Strike. Pretty sure we're going to start seeing fighting game commentators. Dota's going to come in soon. Wait, like... can we get the Yipes cast? Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that would be hype, dude. Okay, wait, can we get the uncensored Yipes cast? Just talking about People just swag everywhere, and scoops and all the rest. Like, we're going to see, like, the Day 9 dailies of Overwatch. Oh, God. Yeah, I, mean, we I, I thought you were doing things. that, Flay. I thought you were the Day 9 dailies of Overwatch. <laughs> I'm kind what of the daily, but it's, it's a little bit... <laughs> I don't have a catchy name or anything like that. So. You don't have Sean's laugh. That's a, You just have to have that laugh, dude, and then... And then all of a sudden, uh, thousands laughs of like uh, when you catch it at the wrong time. I have like the evil villain laugh, like you league picked up on. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. true. That's true. Uh, they had a graphic of you too, right? Of, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I was petting yes. a cat. <laughs> no, that's that's right. how you know you've made it when when there's that's terrible right. photoshops of you on live TV. Uh, apparently, there's a photoshop too where like they switch it up. I don't think it actually hit, but like where they put like Huck's head on the cat, like just to really like <laughs> go forward with it even deeper. It was pretty oh, awesome. that's brutal. Then. Uh, I mean, I, instead of a shout out, I would actually just, and I've done this before in the past, uh, but I would just say to everybody watching the show right now, um, do keep supporting the scene. Um, mm-hmm. Things are really crazy right now. There's all kinds of tournaments happening in different regions and different time zones and teams are all split up and things are in kind of a weird spot right now with the scene. Um, and, and I have full faith that things are going to be worked out as soon as Blizzard really announces all their stuff. But I, I would say just keep supporting. Keep watching the, your favorite players. Uh, try try and find the tournaments. Uh, subscribe to the uh, competitive uh, Overwatch subreddit. I mean, mm-hmm. a, almost yeah. everything's getting posted there. But subscribe and be active on that subreddit. Uh, I would just encourage everyone to be an active member of this community because it's actually really pretty small still i mean we, we were talking about how quick everything's growing but ultimately it's it's still on the smaller side so your support really does matter uh as zp said it really does so uh thank you for watching thanks for tuning in uh, thanks for following us and definitely keep supporting yeah and i'll close things out by you know 
giving a shout out to the three of you guys for, for coming on and, and doing the show with me, as well as everybody that stayed up late. I know this is like super late episode and our, our European viewers are just hating us right now, but I promise I'll have the VODs up, uh, as well as the audios. Uh, those of you that do listen to I- audios, uh, the overview is available on iTunes as well as Google uh, Podcasts or Google Music Podcasts. So you can find all those there. Uh, I always tweet them out too, so you can follow me at, at ChamianV and, and uh, get the links for that. Uh, and then the VODs will be up youtube.com slash also. And if you're into Hearthstone, I have a Hearthstone uh, podcast I do tomorrow, which is called Value Town. You can check out on this stream also. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview. So for ZP, Flame, uh, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chain Man V, we'll see you the next time. Bye.